Welcome to the Cana Connection podcast. Today we are happy to rebroadcast one of the interview sessions from the Association of Marine Corps Logisticians Symposium held in October of 2021. In this session, our very own host of the Cana Connection, President and COO of Cana LLC, Mr. Rob Cranston, is joined by USMC Major Stephen Harvey of the Naval X SoCal Tech Bridge out of San Diego, California. Join them as they talk about the SoCal Tech Bridge organization and its focused efforts on leveraging the Southern California convergence of installations, industry, and research to unlock the emerging technology through non-traditional partnerships. If you would like to learn more about the Naval X SoCal Tech Bridge and its partners, visit their website at www.socaltechbridge.org. Good day, AMCL Symposium attendees out there across the globe. My name is Rob Cranston. I'm your moderator host, and I have a special guest speaker with me today, Major Steve Harvey. That's Steve over there. He's in San Diego. He's the director of Naval X SoCal Tech Bridge. Um, it's really exciting to be able to talk to Steve uh, regarding uh, the program and how they're re leveraging the Southern California convergence of installations, industry, and reach to unlock the emerging technology through public-private partnerships and beyond. A really well, welcome, a really warm welcome to you, Steve, to the first annual AMCL Symposium. Fantastic to have you, good sir. Well, I thank you for having me. I appreciate the Association of Marine Corps Logisticians inviting us to talk about this uh, this program that we've set up. I'm looking forward to getting into it, Rob. Thanks. And let's do it. So, Steve, give us a background, uh, highlight uh, yourself, and and the positions leading up to your your Tech Bridge Director position. Sure. Yeah. So I, I started off as an enlisted infantryman back in '99. I um, I spent time in the Mediterranean and in Panama, uh, doing all manner of security cooperation exercises and the like. Uh, before I became uh, through the enlisted commissioning program uh, an officer, I uh, I was trained formally to become an adjutant or what we know now today as a manpower officer. Um, and, and you know, at, at first look, you would think, oh my goodness, an, an infantryman to an adjutant. Oh my gosh, opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, and that's the way I looked at it too, to be honest. Uh, but then I started to get this executive level uh, education and leadership from all of the uh, the 06 and flag level commands that I was now on the command deck for. Um, and I think all of that experience led me to getting accepted to the Naval Postgraduate School where I uh, went to go earn a master's in information technology management, um, which is great because I couldn't spell ITM before I went to Naval Postgraduate School. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Well, you, said you said something that was really, I mean, I, and later on we'll talk about it, but modernizing our software systems and infrastructure using a human-centered approach. I mean, that, is that kind of where that started? In, yeah. It did, 100%. Yeah, that was a, a an eye-opening experience at, at Naval Postgrad School. Like, so, you know, for the, you know, the 18 years prior to me getting there, um, I was just head down, blinders on, you know, either... Uh, training for combat or, you know, deploying for combat or, uh, you know, paper in, paper out, right? Tasks uh, were accomplished and it just never stopped. And I never really paused, uh, maybe didn't have the discipline myself to just say, hey, listen, stop and think. And that's what MPS did for me. It, it gave me an opportunity to think critically through some problems, uh, you know, strategically for the DOD. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and what's fantastic, and for those out there in the audience, what, what Steve is really, and, and as the 
the, the groundswell of opportunity uh, inside the Navy Marine Corps team to take part in Naval postgraduate type of programs and beyond that, which is which is really a, a neat um, and and really purposeful set of missions for for Marines as we go forward. And um, so let's get so Steve. So the, the SoCal Tech Bridge is focused on leveraging the Southern California convergence of, as we mentioned, in installations, industry, and research. And um, and then as that unlock unlocking of the emerging technologies through public-private partnerships. Um, so give us a little bit of background on the SoCal Tech Bridge mission and uh, technology focus areas. Yeah, sure. Um, so we are located headquartered here in San Diego, um, you know, which besides the weather is a, is a really, really great place to be, um, especially to stand up at Tech Bridge where we have a, a super dense population of military in the region, um, you know, real people, real missions, trying to solve real problems and having the ability to reach out to the deep roster of, uh, of tech companies and research universities in our area to help us, uh, you know, kind of figure out, um, excuse me, um, you know, how, how to get after some of our stickier problems uh, with, a, you know, emerging technology flavor um, is, is really, it, it helps to satisfy a core tenet of our philosophy of, of building collaborative markets around these dual use technologies where government, academia, and industry can achieve mutually beneficial outcomes. And when you're looking at those technology stacks, if you will, um, is that kind of homogenized across the, the needs based of, of Marine Corps blended with what becomes strategy, AOR discussions, how does that fit in for the warfighter? Yeah, yeah so uh, I'll answer that in this way. So we, you know, every one of our efforts has to at least accomplish two things. Uh, one is closing our knowledge gaps around the technology being explored. Um, and we do that by truly partnering with industry and research universities through collaborative agreements, if not contracts. Um, we start with that aspirational vision. You know, what, what do we need to accomplish? Uh, and then we learn from one another on the path toward that vision. And, and what we want to learn, um, you know, can have tactical, you know, near-term wins for Marines on installations uh, and even on the battlefield, but it also can have strategic impact, right? And so the second thing that we want to aim for is the development of applicable concepts and employment of the commercial dual use technology across national defense. You know, it's great to learn about technologies, uh, new uh, and emerging, uh, but we miss a huge opportunity if we don't demonstrate how that technology can be used. Yeah, and that's that leads to this question. This that's a great segue to this. And this, I, you know, for for the folks out there, um, it's 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 awesome to see pilots and the genesis of pilots, and then the execution and operationalize of those pilots. So, Steve, give us a few examples, past or present, of your team's work, pilots and installation mobility, and specifically energy resilience. Yeah, timely question. Uh, we uh, we recently wrapped up a, a two-year effort uh, to get after the question of how do we do unmanned logistics delivery on the battlefield. Um, the Operational Energy Office under Research and Engineering at the Pentagon funded the Tech Bridge to work closely with industry to engineer uh, existing platforms to operate and communicate independently on the battlefield. Uh, so in June, we hosted the unmanned logistics systems demonstration uh, at which, in front of a live audience, we we showed that the logistics delivery um, on the battlefield, the future was was autonomous. It's connected and it's electric. Um, in addition to demonstrating the you know like the autonomous logistics delivery, uh, we also showcased the transport of exportable energy in transportable electric vehicle charging stations. And these are huge when you consider what it takes to you know transport liquid fuel in the millions of gallons uh, across the battlefield. Um, if we can remove the the requirement of having these massive 17, 25 vehicle convoys just to get fuel to the fort as a battlefield by 
creating a, a situation in which at the Ford Edge, you know, electricity is now the, the energy, not liquid fuel, then, you know, you can, you can draw the conclusions from there, right? Yeah, yeah that's great. And, and with that, Steve, I mean, so when you get um, in, from the warfighter perspective and the warfighters out there that are listening to this, and it may not have been in the front end of what is the investment or the, the, the tech stack investment or the pilots. How does that education transfer? Is that through the schools? Is that through uh, operational design, through exercises? Present? I think it's both. I, I think it's, um, you know, we have a very close tie with, obviously, Naval Post Graduate School. We have a close tie with the University of uh, California in San Diego and others. Um, but through these collision events, like the one that I described, the, the unmanned logistics systems demonstration, we invite um, industry, academia, we invite uh, all of the local and state um, government partners that might care about what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And then we, you know, for this one in particular, we invited the Department of Transportation, the Department of Energy, and then obviously other federal, uh, you know, agencies to include the DOD. Uh, and what we see there is, you know, it's it's more about proving with results rather than swaying with words. You can talk all day about the things that you want to do. And typically folks are too busy to care and they're not, you know, they're just not going to help you because they have their own things going on. Right. So if you just go out and do these things and show what the realm of the possible is, then you can start to get people interested. And that's how the, uh, the education happens across mm -hmm. the other duty. That's well said. Thanks. That's great. And so let me, let me switch a little bit because you, I mean, I, I love this and, and, um, this is, and I unearthed this and knew about this in a couple of years before you got to the Naval X Tech Bridge. But um, you and your team won the MCICOM uh, Marine, Marine Corps Installations Command 2019 Resiliency Crowdsourcing Challenge, um, which sought to get at addressing making Marine Corps installations more resilient across five categories energy, water, communications, food, and logistics mobility. Um, do you, I mean, Steve, do you, do you see all of these categories continuing to mature in their areas of resilience? Yeah, I do. And, and so I'll focus on three of the five. Um, yeah. I think energy, uh, for those that don't know, Miramar, Marine Corps Air Station Miramar has an installation-wide microgrid uh, led by the, our, our very talented energy manager, uh, Mick Wasco. Um, SoCal TechBridge efforts to assist Mick in, uh, in taking Miramar's energy resilience posture to the next level include uh, our energy communications project, where we want to demonstrate that we can connect all of the disparate energy devices across the installation to include solar arrays, the backup generators, the uh, backup battery power, and, and tie all of the, the, the monitoring of the health of those systems into the microgrid control system. Um, we, anyone that works in installations knows that, uh, that, that trenching fiber is, is not as simple as just digging a hole and laying some wire into it. There are energy, I'm sorry, uh, environmental uh, and site approvals that have to take place. Um, there, uh, and, and then just, you know, the, the trenching, the laying of the fiber, it's all just, you know, time and cost prohibitive. So we want to, uh, demonstrate that we can communicate all those disparate energy device, uh, health information back into the control station using 4G LTE, uh, and Verizon's, uh, commercial 5G, uh, network that exists at, at Miramar. And then I segue into the, the next, um, of those categories I want to talk about, which is communications. You know, so again, for those who don't know, Marine Corps Air Station Miramar is the first DoD installation to install a 5G ultra wideband small cell uh, yeah. at its facilities, uh, which is a huge accomplishment. And it, again, this one wasn't done via, uh, you know, uh, the, the relationship didn't start by looking at this relationship through the lens of contract negotiations and legal review. Rather, it was a you know, arm in arm, we're going to walk down this path together to, to truly bring 5G to a DOD installation. 
And, uh, and we leveraged it and the additional 24 small cells to create what we call a living laboratory. Uh, it's comprised of most of the six and a half square miles of Mainside Miramar um, and, and provides a, a non-sterile live network testbed for folks to come in and see how their 5G-enabled technology really behaves uh, in a smart city construct. Mm-hmm. Um, this effort is, um, is, is really, really good. Again, uh, demonstration uh, of, of the, the power of the collaborative market. Um, and we've been partnering with Verizon uh, to uh, on several efforts uh, since uh, since the inception of that 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 first small cell went in, and um, we've collaborated on oh gosh, um, just just a ton. I'll touch on one more. I think this will get after one more of the five categories you mentioned, which is um, uh, mobility, logistics, mobility, right? Um, in June, we wrapped up a lot. Of, a lot happened in June, by the way, for all. all <laughs> June was a pivotal month for us. <laughs> in June, we wrapped up transition time and and. Uh, Steve took over, which is which has been uh, which has been fantastic. A lot going on. Yep. <laughs> That's right. A lot, a lot's been going on since as well. Yeah. Uh, but in June we wrapped up a 90-day pilot um, centered on autonomous urban mobility. Um, after winning the uh, local motors autonomy challenge, we had two uh, autonomous shuttles delivered to Miramar, and we intended to use them to demonstrate that we could uh, gain some efficiencies in travel time. Um, you know both for the Marine moving from the barracks to the flight line, but also, uh, you know, giving the Marines more time uh, turning wrenches on the flight line before they transit back uh, to the barracks. And uh, COVID had something else to say about that. So we had to shift from uh, transporting people to transporting packages. And it was actually kind of cool. What we learned was that uh, this was the first application of uh, package delivery uh, in an autonomous vehicle on a DOD installation. So um, worked out really well. It worked out for our distribution, distribution uh, management office where, you know, they now had a platform uh, by which they could deliver these uh, these packages to other locations around the installation. Uh, and we learned a lot about uh, how much data is actually on board one of these autonomous platforms and how important it is that we have a, a comms pathway to in real time offload that data. So we were taking the vehicle and parking it and uh, taking out the hard drive and then transmitting that data over the 5G, uh, you know, Verizon's 5G uh, commercial network at Miramar up into AWS GovCloud. Um, and that's great. We got the information out such that the, uh, the algorithms could then train further. But mm-hmm. what we'd like to do is, uh, is get after it in a way that we can in real time offload that data. Now we're communicating with multiple uh, small cells as the autonomous vehicle is traveling around Miramar. It's our, our either the vehicles that are on the installation uh, currently or those that are you know someplace else off the installation can learn from what these vehicles uh, you know the data coming off these vehicles. So that was a really really uh, awesome pilot. We're we're using all the information we learned there to uh, to go into year two of autonomy. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you mentioned data, and I you know you get at data and and you know from a from a perspective of capturing that data and then harvesting that data, is that data that you guys are, uh, or is it within the team of, of both the innovation world and industry team as well? But I, is that harvested data sit somewhere on the servers at, at, at with with the industry or with actually with the uh, with the Marine Corps? Yeah, so it's going to be sitting with industry uh, on you know whether it's a GovCloud appropriately uh, you know appropriate impact level uh, protection of that information. Uh, we try to stay away from where we can capturing sensitive information that would be you know held um, in, in the cloud with with industry. But um, you know, I, I guess the the benefit of that is that 
it's now it's truly dual use, right? So we have we own the data, we can capture it and use it however we want to, but uh, so can industry, and they're going to use that data to improve their systems for our use. And that gets at the public-private partnership. That gets at really this unlocking and unleashing that that ability for for a win-win across the partnerships. Yeah. 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 And, and I got to tell you, you and your predecessor now retired Lieutenant Colonel Brandon Newell, just, I mean, I, he set this up and I know in taking this to the next level and next step, I, um, I've got a quote and I, I love this quote, which is for you guys out from Marines out there and, and just the serving everybody with Steve made this, whether it's connecting the right partners from industry, academia and government agencies to collaborate on a project or finding a way to place current or emerging technologies in Marines hands. I'm constantly looking to unlock opportunities to make Marines more capable. A, a, fit, a very profound statement. And it also gets to that warfighter in the trench. Are we making progress in your estimation? Uh, I'm biased, of course, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. But, but I, think, I think that we are. Um, yeah. Good. Uh, recently, there's been a, just a ton of discourse, uh, very public in some cases, about how we're not pacing the strategic fight, especially uh, regarding AI, ML, uh, other software applications, um, and whether or not that's true, you know, that may be left to the future to find out, right? Um, there are pockets of innovation heroism happening across mm -hmm. the DOD to get after this problem, uh, and we can also probably you know, debate the efficacy of those efforts as well, but uh, regardless, there's a really important distinction that I think needs to be made. Um, the Marine Corps is a people-centered organization. Mm -hmm. Our Marines have always been and will always be our greatest strength. Um, we're going to figure it out, whatever the it happens to be. Uh, and of that, I'm supremely confident. I've seen it over the last 24 years. Uh, it, it continues um, in force. Uh, however, going back to my previous comment, um, we can work smarter, not harder, by inviting the industry and academic partners that have put themselves at our disposal uh, to make us more lethal, better neighbors, better allies, and more survivable. Um, not every patriot wears a uniform. You know, we have got to be more open in our relationships with industries so that when the time comes for us to lean into the procurement of a new technology, we're ready to adopt and we're not playing catch up. Mm. Yeah, no, I and I think part of that, and this leads to our, our last question is, and you mentioned this previous, Steve, is the um, this past June having the Electric Mobility Symposium and really this this, this really jam-packed, this, this purpose, uh, tremendously purposeful set of events. And the theme was joint industry and government leaders as we unlock the electric mobility future together. And um, I, no doubt this happened. Um, but, but talk a little bit more in, in, in terms of the non-traditional partnerships part of that. And, uh, and then most importantly, getting that tech, and you've been talking through it, but, but that into the hands of the warfighters. Yeah, um, I'm going to set the stage just a little bit more uh, on this yeah. event. Well, we hosted over 200 people at this event, and this is, this is just coming out of COVID where folks are like, can, right. we, can we high five people? Do we, what do we do? <laughs> you know, it was uh, in some cases pretty, pretty awkward, right? Uh, but 200 folks came to Miramar, um, and, and really what we were trying to get after was the, you know, to address the president's mandate for carbon neutral non-tactical fleet of vehicles, Governor Newsom here in California, he mandated that no more uh, internal combustion engines uh, be sold, or no new ICE vehicles be sold in the state after 2035. Now, these are audacious goals, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this is, a, a, you know, just over uh, or just under 15 years from now. Mm -hmm. um, and we want to take a hard look at those things. 
not only the vehicles and the charging stations, which is where I think people really kind of focus when you're talking about electric mobility, but all of the other enabling uh, enablers that have to be there in order for this to, to, to scale. So the grid itself is a big deal, uh, how we source and store energy, et cetera. Um, we ask questions like, you know, what would happen if today we just snapped our fingers and turned all the electric vehicles in the fleet electric instead of yeah. like, liquid fuel power? I think the answer uh, overwhelmingly is like we would, you know, snap every circuit on every installation across the globe, right? So there's there's work to be done, and uh, you know we're not going to do it ourselves. I think that's pretty clear at this point. Um, so the event uh, that follow, or you know that that event, and then those that followed, um, you know, we were trying to figure out what those second and third order effects are of uh, if we you know start executing on the president and the governor's uh, mandates right now. Um, you know. We think that, again, we could provide some tactical level wins, like bringing some EV uh, charging stations and some you know, electric vehicles onto the installations in the near term to figure out just what those second order effects are and have some strategic impact for, for the Department of Defense. Um, you know, capability in the hands of the warfighters, one of the, you know, one of the aims, uh, at least personally, but I think also core tenant of the, uh, the tech bridge. And, and by, you know, partnering with these industry uh, uh, partners, uh, we can do that, right? They, these are folks that want to help. They want to be involved. And, and, and uh, so post that event, uh, back in August, we held a design workshop and we mm -hmm. invited a lot of the same folks that were at the, uh, the symposium, you know, the symposium being the kickoff, like let's, let's gain some, uh, some enthusiasm, some energy around this subject. Uh, mm -hmm. and we found out that we really did because back in August we had, um, you know, Tessiac, uh, that's a, um, a, a VC, and we're here like managing partners from Testiac, uh, you know, private capital towards generating revenue for installations. That's what their interest is. We had large and small electric vehicle uh, manufacturers. We had Department of Energy, Department of Transportation, DOD, obviously, all of these folks, these local and, and state government folks, came into the room together to, you know, really uh, figure out how we get after this problem uh, of electric mobility and electrification. Um, and, and I tell you, you know, the the engagement, the enthusiasm, uh, and not just from a profit generation standpoint, right? Like we, we all know that commercial industry, their their goal is to generate profit, uh, but the, you know, there's an easier way to do that for them. It, it's to go get a contract and deliver something and get paid. These folks, the, the, the industry academic, academic folks that we're partnering with, they want to ensure success. They are, they are fully invested in bringing this home. Uh, so it's been incredible, the, the, the outpouring, uh, the engagement. Um, we uh, we've done other discrete planning to to narrow in on where we'll capitalize on these efforts. Uh, you know, the coming year, I I will tease something out. I'm always hesitant to, to again you know like sway with words instead of prove with results. But um, Captain Ben Cohen, he's an, uh, a naval postgrad student now. He will come and replace me next summer as the director of the Tech Bridge, and he is already leaning into this effort uh, very very strongly. He's developed a design by which we would address the wildfire problem here in California, both on our installations and commercially by leveraging um, all of our knowledge, all of our work already in autonomy, uh, electrification, um, and, and other things. Uh, and, well, I think battlefield cellular communications is another one of those things that we're really leaning into. So, so you will see um, in the next couple of years, an effort to bring an autonomous wildfire capability Two installations, and that's all you know, blossoming out of the SoCal Tech Bridge here in San Diego. Oh, fantastic to hear, folks! That's Major Steve Harvey. He's a leader of Marines, but also a leader of innovation. And thank goodness, uh, the hands of a lot of these pilots and 
as you just mentioned, integrating that into the fleet in different ways with public-private partnership is in your hands, my friend. I just really appreciate you being here and uh, uh, look forward to seeing you in person here uh, soon. Soon. Yeah, yeah. All well, right. Real pleasure. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on. I hope everyone has a great event. Cheers. Yeah, man. Good work. Hey, All right. Write it, write it, write it. You probably have a meeting at 3 or noon. A big thanks once again goes out to the Association of Marine Corps Logisticians for letting us rebroadcast their AMCL Symposium episodes from their event in October 2021. You can find more information on AMCL at their website, www.marinecorelogistics.org. You can also find links to their guests from the podcast in the description for this podcast. If you would like to hear more from the Canaan Connection podcast, you can find us on most of the popular podcast streaming platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and others. Or you can visit our website at canaanllc.com. While you're there, consider signing up for our newsletter or joining our community forums. Once again, this is Koa Beam signing off for Rob Cranston and the rest of the Canaan Connection podcast crew. And as always, remember, analyze, assess, and execute, and we'll see you next time.